0: Hey, you like making great money, right? Well, here's a really cool opportunity I had to share with you. Driving with Uber. Uber is that popular smartphone app that connects riders with drivers. I use it all the time. I take Uber a bunch and I love it. It's so easy. And in chatting with different drivers, some of them have really interesting stories as to why they drive with Uber. I know some of my friends started driving with Uber for all of the same reasons. They love being their own boss. They get to earn great money. It's easy to start. You just need a car and a license driving with uber is great for anyone who needs flexibility that's key you make your schedule parents this is a really easy way to work around your family's schedule and students you can make extra money between classes my son's friends they're driving for uber making some money going to school it works out perfectly now's the prime time to cash in driving with uber you'll thank me for telling you how to get paid every week hey i could be getting into your car when you drive with uber Listen, you got a car and a license, put them both to work for you and start earning serious, life-changing money today. Sign up to Drive with Uber. Visit DriveWithUber.com. That's DriveWithUber.com. DriveWithUber.com. Do it. Let's play. I promise this is the last time I'll bring this subject up. Uh, I'm starting starting to sound a little complaining and a little whiny, but I just... I'm I'm mystified. In the past, I have spoken about the fact that uh, people have no problem recognizing me in the most impoverished and embarrassing of circumstances. Uh, I talked about, you know, people... uh, Thinking I was waiting for a bus in the Midwest somewhere alone, uh, pulling over to give me a ride, um, uh, sleeping on the floor in an airport, and someone just ro- rolling right up to me and asking me to take a picture with them. Like, never for a minute doubting that that was D. Snyder laying on the ground, or that was D. Snyder sitting on a stoop somewhere in an inner city of Stockholm, Sweden. Or that was Dee Snyder in Rapid City, South Dakota, waiting for a bus. No hesitation. And I've discussed this at length. And I I thought I was done with it. But as you know, I have been traveling the world recently. And um, I have achieved a level of affluence in my life, fortunately. Uh, You know, I've done quite well. So I get to um, do things in a style that I never could do when I was a kid, or when I was a young man. As an older gentleman now, I uh, stay at the best hotels, and I eat at the best restaurants. And um, But a realization happened in uh, in Europe, staying at said hotels, that I don't get recognized there. And I thought people were just being cool, because, you know, they got money and they're too cool to... Act fanish. But what my wife and I came to figure out is that they don't think it's me. There, they don't think it's me. They see this big, weird, old, earring, long-haired, tattooed guy staying at the nicest hotel, and they don't say, oh, that must be D. Snyder the rock star. He looks just like him. No. Even though they think I look like D. Snyder, they must be in their minds going, "There's no way D. Snyder would be here. <laughs> that couldn't be him." And, and they're st- shocked when they find out eventually that it is. So, what is it about me? I just I, look. You can, You maybe you know the answer to the question. I don't know. But what is it about me that says yes? You might see Dee Snyder laying in the street. No, don't expect to see Dee Snyder at a five star hotel. I'm just saying, it's a little bothersome. It's a, it's a, I, I, I don't have the answer, but once again, it was like one of those, oh, really? moments on the other side of things. Uh, that said, I am back in the USA after two months of traveling. uh, throughout Europe, I won't say the world over, throughout Europe, uh, with my wife Suzette. Uh, I came back, I flew back yesterday from Hamburg, Germany, played the Wacken Festival uh, with Rock Meets Classic, 80,000 people. It was uh, an amazing, amazing show, amazing experience. And um, jumped on a plane the next day and flew straight, directly, to Sturgis, South Dakota. More technically, Buffalo Chip, South Dakota. The legendary Buffalo Chip Campground and Concert Hall, Concert Facility, which is a, a staple in Sturgis for the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. And I've been staying here for many years. It's huge. I mean, uh, they'll have 100,000 campers on site. And they have the best concerts. It runs for 10 days. It's, it's, a, it's one of the, like I said, one of the, the mainstays and the big boys. At the Sturgis Rally this year, because they 're so huge, they filed for and got named their own municipality. They are now their own town, no longer part of Sturgis. they are Buffalo Chip, South Dakota, which when you think about the humble beginnings of this biker, it started as a bunch of bikers camping out around a, a, a camping out around a campfire, literally with um local musicians. Uh, you know, Bringing the guitars and playing in the dirt. And now the biggest of the big stars in rock, country, uh, I won't say pop, I don't think pop. Definitely rock and country, old and new, play here for tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people. I saw uh, Kid Rock here and it was over 100,000 people. Um, that this biker town has become its own municipality, its own village is freaking cool. And uh kudos to uh Rod Woodward and his family, the owners of it. Uh Woody is a lawyer by trade, so who better to set set to this task. But it's great. So, I flew from Europe, after two months away from the states to I it you doesn't get more America than Sturgis, South Dakota during Bike Week. Uh it's, it's just, you know, I mean, uh, bikers, as a rule, are patriots. A lot of uh, ex-military people are bikers, not just. Uh, so there's a lot of a, a patriotism, a lot of uh, American spirit going on here, USA, USA, it's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and in the past, it's been a great, uh, you know, target for politicians. Now, I don't know, I, I say not multi- I was here one year, when John McCain was running, and he came to speak to the 100,000 bikers here, figuring this is, you know, uh, true Americans in the most patriotic sense. They would embrace John McCain, which they, which they did for the most part. And I was here for that. Um, at the time, I was supporting uh, John McCain. I was a John McCain supporter until he got uh, Sarah Palin as his running mate, and then I bailed. I, I, I was like, I, sorry, the co-pilot can't be mentally incompetent. And as um, far as I was concerned, she was. Okay, so, uh, uh, so I bailed at that point. But I was here uh, for his rally, and it was pretty insane. I mean, um, snipers, uh, you know, they, they've got, the, the candidates all have protection from Secret Service. And McCain... You had, they had they just the, the the scene for him to arrive the the setup the people arriving ahead of time the the gunmen in full body armor put at, at points all over the the campgrounds just so McCain could speak um was incredible and he was there with his wife there's where he went wrong there's the mistake he made because bikers especially in their environment, tend to be very misogynistic and, uh, object- and, and, and definitely objectify women. Suzette, who rides a motorcycle, uh, has never come to me with because she's not big on that. She's not big on being uh, objectified and, and, tr- and treated in a misogynistic fashion. Um, you know, it's one thing to think it. In these rallies, bikers can be, be very overt about their uh, attraction to women and their um, expectations from them. So although I've been out to Sturgis about nine times, and I'm, I'm anything but a misogynist, uh, and I don't objectify women. I I don't see eye to eye on that subject with people. Um, you know. But I love to ride in the Black Hills of South Dakota. There's no place better. The Buffalo Chip Campground, uh, the greatest concerts. So to hang here... And, I, and by the way, I am recording this in a trailer, on the campsite. So if you hear occasional motorcycle go by, or whatever, or an air conditioning unit on, uh, yeah, it's not studio environment as you would, as, as you might like it. It's uh, it's you know I'm at the campgrounds. I'm playing tonight. I've only played here once before with Twisted Sister tonight. I'm there solo solo capacity. Uh, so uh, that's gonna be exciting. And then I get to ride for a few days with uh, buddies here in Sturgis, South Dakota, if by ride you mean drive in, uh, in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Chris there's estimated 750,000 bikers in Sturgis, and the town's normal population is 6,000. 6,000 to 750,000. It is just insane what goes on here as far as the, con- that they, the convergence of bikers from all over the country. Really just an experience. If you ride, uh, you must have some time in your life. So back to McCain. He, uh, the mistake he made, well, there was two. One, bringing his wife with him, Um, which, you know, she always is with him by his side at those political rallies. Remember, she's a very attractive woman. Uh, it's like his second or third wife or something like that. But very attractive woman. He brought her with him. That was mistake one. Mistake two was saying, "With me today is the future first lady," and he introduced her to a roar. Says, "But," and this is you know in a in a in a bragging show off kind of dude manner. Said, "But she could be Miss Buffalo Chip." Now, every year they have a, a, a bikini contest runoff for Miss Buffalo Chip, uh, and, you know, and she poses with motorcycles and calendars, and, and uh, it's, it's very, you know, there's it, a, a certainly huge sexual overtones. There's no Mr. Buffalo Chip, you know, in a, in, a, in a G-string. No, it's Miss Buffalo Chip. Well, the minute he said that, the cries of, show us your tits, were deafening. I was backstage, and I also I said, are they, are they chanting show us your tits and McCain's wife? And they certainly were. So um, not a good idea. Rumor had it that uh, Donald Trump was thinking of coming out and addressing the biker community. Uh, if, in fact, that he's a friend of mine. If, in fact, uh, again, I'm not a supporter of his uh, campaign, but he is a friend. And if, in fact, that was going to happen, I certainly would put a, put a call in and said, Dude, you might want to leave your wife home. Just say. Um, so, uh, so, you know where Waldo is. Um, before I get into this week's show, I want to address uh, just one little thing that's been really in, you know, it's been all over the news. And is it something that troubles me? Uh, and you know, sorry by the way that I haven't been doing interviews and stuff like that. Uh, it's I brought all the equipment with me, just have not even at all these festivals. The timing has not worked out. I saw Rob Halford the other day, but you know he wasn't ready to do an hour long interview before he did a show. You know, so it was great to see Rob. But uh, and he said I'd love to be on the on the podcast, D. But you know I, I'm doing a show, and I you know you don't talk like this. You know for like uh, like an idiot like me, I'm talking for an hour. I'm doing a show in a few hours. Um, so, uh, anyways, um, but while over it in Europe, in the news has been the Cecil the Lion debacle. And this is, you know, uh, the killing of a, of a, a tagged lion, of tags are not the right word, by a dentist who paid, what, $57,000 to hunt a lion so he could stuff his head and hang it over the fireplace. All right. Um, one, I'm a Second Amendment advocate. Okay, I am a, a gun person. I do carry and And I support the rights or rights to cat to be armed um, i i 'm not anti hunting i am however anti sport hunting uh, I have a lot of friends who are hunters and they uh, they eat what they hunt uh, and they hunt humanely not for sport, not for entertainment, but um you know they they 're old school and uh, and i 'm cool with that um they will refuse to sport hunt because they can't bring themselves to kill uh, an African animal just for the sake of, I said African, but an animal just for the sake of stuffing its head and saying, I did it. So I'm not a fan of that. But that's not what perturbs me most of all about the Cecil the Lion thing. The thing that perturbs me most of all is that there was more outrage on social media about Cecil the Lion than that baby who burned to death in his crib in Palestine? Now that is nothing to do with politics. That's a baby, a uh, six-nine month old. However, they w- old it was was a baby, defenseless baby. Doesn't matter. It's religion. It doesn't matter. It's parents' position. That is truly an innocent victim, incapable of running, incapable of fighting back. A lion could run. A lion could fight, Could 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 has teeth. And uh, again, I'm not I'm not advocating Cecil's death. I'm just saying it stunned me. The outcry for animals is always so much greater than for human beings, and uh, and that's not right. There should be an outcry for Cecil, but the outcry should be so much bigger for that innocent baby who burned to death in that firebombing uh, in uh, in Palestine. Just saying. All right, that's a bit of a depressed note. Going to take a break, come back, and um, it's War Stories Part 3. I, I've got a lot of them, um, and there's a motivation for it. was uh, like, gee, okay, you just falling on the War Stories. But something happened this week that led to me saying, well, maybe I should do these War Stories. So I'm going to get to that when I return with more Snyder Comments. Dee Snider here for True Car. You know, I see people everywhere on their mobile phones, everywhere. So it makes sense that a company like True Car would come along and create a mobile app that makes buying a new car simple and fun. Apps are changing the world. They changed my world. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I've been all over Europe this year. The apps that I was able to turn to for weather, traveling, car services, hotel accommodations, anything and everything I needed to find was there. So how cool is it? How natural is it for True Car to come up with an app to make it easier to get to buy a car? You just download the True Car app, configure the car you want, and you can see what others actually paid for the same car. Down to your zip code. It's pretty incredible. Then you can lock in guaranteed savings from True Car certified dealers in your area. On average, you'll save over three grand off of MSRP. Talking three thousand dollars. That's not chicken feed. So save time, save money, and never overpay. Download the TrueCar app today. Welcome back to Snyder Comments. Of course, I'm T. Snyder. uh, Recording in Sturgis, South Dakota at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, where I'm performing tonight at the legendary Buffalo Chip. And actually, I'm in Buffalo Chip, South Dakota, again, to be clear. Um, And uh, so, War Stories Part 3 is inspired by a couple of events that happened over the past week over in Europe. First one was in Barcelona, Spain, uh, at, uh, at Rockfest. Huge crowd, huge uh, event. Twisted Sister was there. Um, I was with Twi- I was with Twisted Sister, I should say, performing. And um, you know, back in the day, I'll be first to admit, I was an angry asshole. I well, I was I had a chip on my shoulder. I lashed out all the time. I had, when it came to metal, rock and roll, and what I did, I had little or no sense of humor. Now, people say, how is that possible with the videos you did? And clearly you have a sense of humor. Yeah, I have a sense of humor. But not when it comes down to uh, performing. Not when it comes down to the importance of the music to me and the importance of my band, especially back then yeah and my and my drive uh for to, for success was was I was myopic I was uh miserable in my mission my wife Suzette just you know it just couldn't stand me around it when it came down to the business because I just was stubborn uh and and angry and like I said I was uh, mad at the world, so any slight, no matter how small I would react hugely to, disproportionately to. Um, and this week I had a, a flashback moment. Uh, I, I, by the way, I feel much better now. Um, rock metal and rock and roll is cathartic. It's, it's a, the beauty of it, as a fan, is you get to express those angry and, and violent and, and just those emotions you know and rocking out and head banging and throwing your fists and the horns in the air you sweat you yell you scream you sing and you feel better for it there was a recent article that came out that showed that metalheads were were better adjusted than most people as adults that's because we have this outlet i can't speak about it enough and now you know uh you know the the bands they i, I don't know if they call it moshing or or slam dancing or whatever they call it or whatever them kids are calling it these days I'm old but you know there there's actually the pits are violent but the same thing is true for all the rough what's going on in those pits they leave feeling better the frustration my daughter and I have spoken about this endlessly she says there's nothing more invigorating and more and, and and more just just cleansing than going to a metal show and just thrashing you know, and so you know we're on the same page with that. So because of that, I feel better. Also, you know, I was hell bent on having success. Once you're successful, um, it, you know, it it's you feel really good about it, whether it's success is fleeting or not. It, you still have achieved and proven your point. You know, uh, I remember after the success of Stay Hungry, sitting poolside in my multimillion-dollar house with two boats in the driveway. Seven Cars, and I was trying to write the next album, trying to write the next angst-filled anthem. Like, we're not going to take it. And I want to rock songs that spoke for a generation, for generations. And I had nothing. I wasn't mad. I was happy. And that's the kiss of death. That's the kiss of death. I couldn't sustain true anger, true hostility. Some people can. But I was, felt better. Because after 10 years of struggle, I had proved my point. I had proven to the world that I was somebody and that I was right and they were wrong. And I had all the gold and platinum albums and millions of dollars to prove it. So I felt better. This said, this said, uh, I had a little flashback on uh, the other night. I'm on stage in uh, in Spain, in Barcelona, performing huge crowd. Like I said, I don't know, it was fifty thousand, seventy thousand. It was one of those festivals, you know. And I'm I'm ra- I do my stage raps. I'm big on talking to the crowd, and I hear guitar playing. And I'm like, WTF? Who's playing guitar? And I look at my guitar players because you know we've been together for a long time. They know better than to. Uh, play guitar during when I'm talking to the audience. It's distracting. It's 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 disrespectful. And it also shows, you know, it's confusing. It does it it, it screws up the whole flow. And they're not playing. And I, and, and they just look at me and go, I don't know who's playing. And I and I, I literally say who's playing and one of my crew points to the next stage. In these big festivals, there's multiple stages and there's two stages side by side. And on the next stage, Europe, the final countdown Europe. Europe, they were, they were the next band up. Their guitar tech is, is testing the guitars, not testing, he's playing guitar through martial amps, those big stacks at volume, full volume, while we're on stage doing our show. Well, I had a little bit of a flashback and, um, you know, because when I'm in that, when I'm, I, I very much get returned to my, like, like performing and singing the words, you know, you're so trite and jaded, boring and confiscated, you know, those angry words, they trigger emotionally, bring me back to those feelings. So I'm able to evoke on stage very genuine intensity for the audience. So I'm like in a, a head banging, thrashing frenzy, and I realize this asshole on the next stage is playing guitar. Well, rather than doing what the average person does, and that would be have somebody go over and talk to him, I run off stage with my microphone in hand, climb through the scaffolding, climb onto Europe's stage, and charge across the stage and physically confront this guy. And it was cool, and you can see this online. It was during the song, I Believe in Rock and Roll. Go to the middle of, I Believe in Rock and Roll at Rockfest Barcelona 2015. And during the rap, you will see me run. And the spotlight followed me. I have the microphone. So the audience see they see me disappear. Then they see me show up on the next stage. And I get in this guy's face, and I'm like, you mother effer. And I'm try, you know, trying to... Ease up on the cursing and use it selectively here, by the way. Uh, you, and I said, put that freaking guitar down for us, shove it up. I don't know what exact words I said, but I was on fire. And this guy is just like, he was, was not expecting the lead singer from the other band to actually leave the stage, come onto his stage, and call him out. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Europe thought it was hysterical. He was a new guitar tech, and I said, well, he'll never do that again. They certainly didn't endorse that behavior on his part. But that was an old-school response on my part, you know, uh, triggered by my state when I'm performing and whatever. Well, I had another, a similar one, and, not similar, not similar, take that word away. Um, Back in the day... Be in the D, as my son Cody likes to say, be in the D. Um, I would get very upset if other bands talk shit about my band. It was, you know, and, and to me, it was, uh, it, you know, it was tantamount to a smack in the face. And I'm also a big believer that we shouldn't be talking shit about each other. Now, mind you, I've definitely talked some shit about people in a, in a, you know, in a joking fashion. Uh, I, you know, I do a radio show called The House of Hair, which is on 220 c- cities, and i have always busted everybody's balls. I bust my own balls. I, I hope people, I'm self-deprecating. I, you know, that's different than shit-talking other bands in your own genre because heavy metal is so factioned as it is. There's so many different types. We are weakened by our separation, not strengthened by it. And we don't even have to like what each other do, but we should at least support, as brothers in metal, the various forms. So when people would talk shit about my band, I would get mental. And this past week, I had an old issue from the 80s, Rear It's Ugly Head. And uh, because it's been an ongoing problem, I I wound up having uh, somebody thrown off of a bill. Uh, that they were on with me because of this situation that happened back in the day. So I'm going to tell... And somebody uh, tweeted and said, you should tell the story about Krapus. Now, I will never use this band's real name uh, because that gives them too much crap, cr- too much uh, credit. And I wrote this story in my in my um, memoirs, which I wrote myself, by the way. They go, shut up and give me the mic. And if you like... My tonality, the way I speak, the way i the way I communicate, uh, I wrote every word of this book myself, uh, and so it's it's my voice, my stories and, and 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 it really tells and it's not a book by the way, about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which is probably why it didn't sell too well, because um, I don't have those stories. I thought people would be interested in hearing about uh you know about a, a, about a kid with a dream as so many people have it about the struggle to achieve that dream and then achieving that dream and and the the glory of success, but then screwing up royally and blowing it and losing everything. Um, And that's an honest story that I thought people needed to hear because people need to know that everybody falls down. Everybody screws up. And I thought that, you know, if your heroes fell down, it takes the shame, it takes the sting out of it. And uh, I share that story at length. And people tell me, and it got great reviews, and people have read the book, say so it's one of the best mem- book memoirs out there. But there's no BJs in there, or, uh, you know, I'm not telling you about any personal sex situation. I've been with Suzette for 39 years. I don't got stories, not on that level. Uh, so, but, you know, there's, there's interesting, I think there's interesting stories, but um, if you're looking for sex and drugs, I ain't got that. I've been mean, clean and sober my whole career. And uh, I've been with the same woman and I've been loyal to her. If I wasn't, it would be already out there on YouTube or something by now. You know that. There's no hiding anything anymore. Let me get some water. So, before I tell you the story about Krappas, which is the big one, I'll tell you a couple other war stories. One of the big ones, back in, I guess it was 1982. Twisted Sister had released Under the Blade, on secret records, an English label, uh, best known for a band called The Exploited. And um, the label folded. Album came out. We uh, did the Reading Festival. Uh, and that was it. Well, we actually, whacked. we did a um, Wrexham Festival with Motorhead. Stadium show. That was amazing. Game changer for us. Then we did the Reading Festival, another game changer. Have ever seen any of this this footage? Rexham's not available, but the Reading Festival is. Uh, that was uh, that was a show that uh, you know. with a, This is the story. If you saw me on behind the music, tell the story about the shite story. Uh, someone throwing a shite. Um, that's that was Reading. Uh, that's where Motorhead, Fast Eddie, Fast Eddie, Fast Eddie, and Lemmy Kilmeister. Uh, reunited on stage during our our, um, our version of "It's Only Rock and Roll," but I like it uh, at that show. Really, a historic rock show. But shortly after those two shows and the release of the album, Secret Records went under, and Twisted Sister we had no had no had, now had no record deal. Uh, we had we had a tour planned, and we had done a, a farewell uh, tour of the tri-state area. Um. And we're ready to leave, and the tour was canceled. Our album was ceased to be produced, first album, Under the Blade, which later on was re released by Atlantic Records. And um, we were, it was a winter, and now a winter of '82. And I'm, uh, I'm married at this point. I've got a, a, a newborn son. He was born in '82, so he is months old. And I lose uh, i 'm out of work, and we can't perform uh, due to the fact that we would already done farewell tours, so you can 't you can't go and say yeah we're off for, 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 the, for Europe, and then come back next week and back to the clubs and say, yeah, we're back again uh, you know well you know maybe you can we're seeing all these farewell tours, you know maybe the reality is people don 't care, but we thought. It wasn't legit to do that, and we're broke. Um, the only thing getting us by and, uh, is my dear friend Joe Gerber, who is our tour manager, uh, and I've mentioned Joe before. He's the guy you see sitting at my right hand at the Senate hearings, dark, short hair. Uh, he worked on my speech with me, one of my best friends, uh, and just... Uh, just a guy who's been there in the trenches. He literally took an inheritance he had gotten and without even being asked and used it to support the band to keep us from completely going under. Because like I said, I'm married. I got a new baby. I've got no money. And we have no record deal. We can't perform. And that was an ugly, cold winter. While I'm suffering through that, two bands in Europe, in Kerrang! magazine, decide they're going to take pot shots at Twisted Sister. I don't know why. Uh, I guess they thought it was funny. I guess they thought we were down and out and we had no, you know, they're over there in Europe, we uh, are in the United States, what are we going to do about it, kind of thing. And nobody thinks that uh, that anybody is such a lunatic that he wants to take things to a physical level. Now, if you saw... Me at the Reading Festival, you know that I called out for a fight 35,000 people in all seriousness. I, I, they were throwing things at the band, and I told them, don't be a pussy. Man and woman up. Meet me on the side of the stage, one at a time after the show, and we'll go. I said, yeah, I know there's 35,000 of you, but uh, one at a time. And that was the icebreaker with this audience, because they couldn't believe this yank was, because they knew I wasn't kidding. I was ready to line up. I know I would have died eventually, but some of them would have gone down. I would have taken a few of them out. And damn, you don't throw shite at my band. But obviously these, these bands did not hear about my antics. And Man of War, an American-based band, as some of you may know, and Hanoi Rocks, a uh, Finnish band, glam band, both in different interviews... Decided they were going to speak unkindly about my band. Uh, one Man of War uh, made up some preposterous lies uh, about the band, saying they didn't, you know, know why people even cared about our band back in the states. Uh, we played, you know, we played wet t-shirt nights and dollar beer nights, which was a complete lie and a fabrication and an insult, you know, to a band that's presenting itself as a concert attraction. And Hanoi Rocks. Um, they, because we were the only two glam bands out there. There was no Motley Crue. There was no Rat, no Poison. This is 82. There are two bands carrying the torch for makeup. There's Cinderella's Ugly Sisters, Twisted Sister, and there was Hanoi Rocks, who were pretty boys. And, uh, where, you know, and they were, they were, they were in a different direction than us. But they decided that they were going to have fun at our expense too. Uh, in an interview and goofed on the band and basically we were a joke. Well, I'm sitting there in my studio apartment starving with my wife and my son and no record deal and freaking out over that. And these two affronts, which other, other circumstances I might not have taken so seriously, but I was just beside myself. And I wrote an open letter to Kerrang! magazine or it Sounds? One of the big rock mags in England. Because uh, there was, you know, it was no online presence. This was all magazines. And I called out, in my style, Man of War and Hanoi Rocks to a fight. Twisted Sister versus Hanoi Rocks and Man of War. I am, I am the prototype angry young man. The article comes out and is quite a lot of hoopla. Uh, England kind of really uh, loved that these crazy Yanks, as they called us, were looking for a fight and we've kind of fallen out of the press since our uh, record had, had, had uh, disappeared anyway um, and so they asked man-of-war and Hanoi rocks uh, what they what they felt. well man-of-war, uh, they stepped forward and said. We are prepared to have a battle of the bands with Twisted Sister. Band to band, we will play our music, and we will see who is the victor. To which, when interviewed about it, I responded, no, I'm not talking about a battle of the bands. I'm talking about a fist fight. I'm talking about my fist, your face. Hanoi Rocks, they decided they were going to blow us off, and they said, "And what do you think about that? They said, oh, these guys are a joke. Uh, you know we're not even going to acknowledge their, um, their you know the, the, this this you know, invitation to fight. Well, again, I am a miserable bastard. I am you know at a low point in my career. I'm mad at the world. I'm and I'm not letting go. I'm like a puppy with a chew toy. I will not let this thing go. So, I have let it be known that i am going to with my bandmates show up at these people one of these people's shows climb on stage and beat them on the stage in front of their audience for the for the affront for the slight upon my band twisted sister i know it's ridiculous i know but just you know i'm 20 something i'm nuts and i'm broke and I got a baby, and I'm just, I'm out of my mind. Well, uh, we we actually, actually, I kind of got to the, I skipped a very important part, so let me back up just a little bit. So the bands won't acknowledge our challenge. So we say, all right, we're coming over to England, which we were, and we're going to meet you for a fight. 12 noon in Covent Gardens, we will be there. Show up. This is like Warriors gang style. Be there and duke it out for the honor of your band. We're going to kick your ass for the honor of ours. Well, the press, we go down there, and the rock press is there in force, along with, uh, along with um, a shitload of fans. Who can't believe this is actually happening? And here comes Twisted Sister, larger than life, cut off our Twisted Sister colors. We, we had colors instead of satin jackets because we were B.A. Uh, we'll there, And we'll, look, I've got, a, I've got a, uh, what the English called, a loud hailer, a megaphone. And I am looking for the bands. So with a crowd of fans and press, we are walking around Covent Gardens, England, and I'm doing Hanoi Rocks come out and play, men of war, come in, I'm just doing the Warriors thing, full on, and I'm looking in garbage cans for them, we're looking in the ladies room, because that's where cowards might hide, um, and they are nowhere to be found, of course they're nowhere to be found, five big, scary, crazy, biker, rockers, we're looking to kick their ass, they were Man of War's got their whole, you know, managed this thing, you know, with their oiled bodies. They're not real, the real deal on that level. And Hanoi Rocks, they look like chicks. They didn't want any, they didn't want anything to do with these nuts. So the press declare Man of War, Man a Wimp. Hanoi Rocks, you know, uh, cowards, uh, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and Twisted Sister wins by default because nobody shows up. That's when I went in the press. I said, well, we're not done here. I'm coming down to your shows, and I'm going to pull you off the stage, and I'm going to beat you in front of your crowd. I am I, – I don't know. I look back at the old me, and I go, I "Go, dude, you were freaking just on fire. I hear my words and my songs. When Twisted Reunited and I started singing my songs again for the first time, I hear my words and the venom and hatred and disgust and how just pissed off at the world I was. And, it, and I say, whoa, I had forgotten because I'm just so much happier now. I'm a happy dude. I wasn't back then. I was not back then. Well, man of war, who had a guitar player named Ross the Boss, who played The Dictators with Mark Daniel Mendoza, uh, Ross sent a letter to Mark Mendoza. And Mark Mendoza would not disclose what it said. But basically, Mark said, "Let's leave them alone." Um, and they know that uh, I have this letter, and if they start any shit, uh, I'll publish it because it, 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 it's, they won't want this letter published. By that, so Mark the Animal said, "Okay." I said, "All right, we'll let him go." Hanoi Rocks, not wanting to have their asses beaten on stage, um, sent, wrote a letter, a, a letter to the press, and said. We are the new flower children of, of rock and roll. We want no, but we are sorry, Twisted Sister. We did not mean to offend you. And and that was it. Done. I'm cool. It's over. Since then, um I've been very friendly with Michael Monroe from How Do I Rocks. I've done shows with him, uh with my honor, how do I rocks. I like the guy very much. He's the real deal. Uh and you know, and I'm older now and I realize we just, you know, we were just kids. It's, you know, mouthing off, talking shit, this is what kids do you know they just didn 't know they were dealing it's with a, a, a certifiable lunatic, and man of war, you know I've since seen Joey DeMeo and Ross the Boss and you know I won't say we're friends or anything like that, but at the same time, you know I, you know it's it's over. I do forgive and forget, and it is done i'm not I don't have to go back there. Uh, we made our peace, and we're done now. Krappus, the story of Krappus. This is ongoing. And somebody tweeted and said, don't you think after 30 years it's time to let this go? To which I angrily tweeted back, who are you to decide for me what I should let go or not let go? But they don't know, understand the the depth of my hatred for this band Krappus and where it comes from. So I'll take a break. And when I come back, I will regale you with a tale of Krappus and the affront to D. Snyder, and particularly my wife, Suzette Snyder. Ah, yeah, see? That's that line, the next line. Like saying something about someone's mother, you don't do something to a man's wife. That just takes it to a whole new level. So, take a break, coming back with War Stories Part 3 on Snyder Comments. Hey Snyder Comments listeners, I just want to take a minute to thank all my great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting my sponsors and this podcast. All of your contributions help make this show possible. And I wanted to remind you that you could support my sponsors by going to my show page at podcast1.com, clicking on the support this podcast banner, and there you'll see all my wonderful sponsors that help keep the lights on. And they really do. This is a new world out here. You don't start making money, you build an audience, you build your sponsors hand in hand you make it a bigger and better podcast in addition to my sponsors you can also support the podcast by using my amazon banner please do amazon offers this show a small commission on any product you purchase you can even use my amazon banner if you're located in canada or the uk really also to make it easier for all future purchases feel free to bookmark my amazon url thanks again for all your support and now back to my show Welcome back to Snyder Comments. I'm Dee Snyder, And by the way, as always, uh, feel free to tweet me at Snyder Comments or email me, uh, SnyderComments at gmail.com. Love to hear from you, your thoughts, your tales. uh, And thank you for spreading the word about my show. Uh, You know, I mean, more and more people are finding out about it. And, you know, I I said I'm doing this. uh, I started out doing this for nothing obviously to continue doing this for on, you know, going on from here, it's got to start making money for somebody, including the podcast people. I mean, that's ultimately, and the numbers are growing. Audience is growing. People are talking about the show. So I appreciate, uh, you listening. I'm glad you enjoy, uh, you know, the things I talk about and, and my attitude and tonality and whatever it is that you tune in for. But thanks a lot for that. So, all right, back to war stories, part three, this is, um, Band Fights. So, my wife Suzette is the costume designer and hair and makeup for Twisted Sister. I've told the story that she started making my costumes after she showed up at a club one night and I was wearing the same outfit that she had on. Uh, And so she started making my costumes. Twisted Sister soon hired her to do theirs. Suzette is a FIT graduate, a Institute of technology. She was a fashion major. She's also a, make- a professional makeup artist, aspiring at this time. She's only 15 when I meet her, but she has these goals and dreams, and she meets this guy who wears costumes, wears makeup, uh, has hair larger than life, so I start becoming her crash test dummy. Well, after she's working for us, other people start to hire her locally. So she's making costumes for different bands on a local level in the tri-state area. Uh, and you know, and that's one of the businesses she's in. And when we start to go to a national level, an international level, people are hearing about her work and they want to hire her. One of those bands is a band called Krapus. Like I said, I will not say the real name. Uh, it's, it's simple enough to find it. But uh, I just won't give them... The distinction of calling them by their real name. Crappus. And they were a band that I actually liked their music. Um, they were quite good. They're Swiss. My mother's Swiss. So I thought that was kind of cool that, you know, uh, that uh, my, my uh, 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 not my countrymen, but, you know, heredit- hereditarily speaking, they were. Uh, I thought it was cool. And, uh, but, uh, so Suzette gets hired to make costumes. The traditional deal when you make costumes is uh, 50% of the cost of the, the budget costumes is up front. That is so the person can pay for the materials and produce the costumes. And then upon delivery, you get the remaining money. And that's, you know, really your profit. Sometimes all of it's your profit. Sometimes, you know, you didn't do estimate properly. So you're, you know, you're still paying out of your other share for the, for the cost of the materials. But that's how the business works. You, do, you make designs. You present them to people, you tell them the price, they're approved, and it's agreed upon, you get your deposit, and you go off and make them. Suzette make, making costumes for Crappus. I'm on tour in Europe. This is it a time where we don't have the money to fly back and forth? We don't have the money to even phone each other. The technology that is today, there's no free internet and Skype People have no idea what it was like back then. Back then, I literally wrote letters longhand every day and mailed them home. And I would get letters from home. I already had a son, uh, Jesse. Uh, Just so you get an idea of of my personal sacrifice, I missed nine months out of the first year of his life. Not consecutively, but out of the first year of his life, I missed nine months because my band had to go to Europe to break out, and I couldn't afford to bring my wife and son with me. I uh, wrote a great song out of it, The Price, um, was inspired by that, that pain, and I would occasionally get letters with pictures that would, would break my heart because they'd be pictures of my son um, doing things that I should be there to see for the first time, sitting for the first time, standing for the first time, taking his first steps. Um, I'd get a photo, not a video, a photo. Uh, and it was heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, and anyway, so my wife and son are back home and Krapas is coming through town and Suzette is not finished with all the costumes yet. And she gets a call from their tour manager who says, um, big guy, big guy. That's what want to say. Krapas are little short guys. Their tour manager was a bodyguard as well. Big guy. And he says, hey, um, meet us at the airport with the costumes. And um, so we'll take what you got right now, and we'll get the rest when they're done. So Suzette says, okay, Uh, gets in the car with my then, I don't know, six-month-old son? Six months. My wife, by the way, is 5'3", 110 pounds, okay? She hasn't gotten any heavier, and she hasn't gotten any taller. She's a petite but tough woman. She goes to the airport with my son and meets the band. They're, they're, they're connecting flights. The band's there. Their bodyguard tour manager's there. He takes the costumes from Suzette and says, ah, that's great. And Suzette goes, okay, can I have the balance of my money? And he says, no. I said, what do you mean no? He goes, no, we're not, we're not going to pay you any more money for these. She goes, but I, I did the work, and that's the agreed. He says, I don't care what's agreed upon. We're not paying you. He goes, and, and she goes, well, I'm not going to send you, for starters. You have to pay me. And she had, like, one more piece of, because costumes are all bad. A couple more pieces of, of, of costumes. He says, well, I'm not, you're not going to give you the rest of those until you give me the rest of the money. And a guy says this to him. He goes, not only are you going to give us, mail us, the rest of the costumes, well, we're not paying you one more penny. And if you don't send them to us, we're going to have you taken care of. We're going to have you taken care of. To my 23 year old, 22 year old wife with our baby in her arms, this six foot five. This guy was big. I remember him very clearly because there's more to this story than just this. Um, says those words to my wife. And the band looks on. crappus looks on. So they leave. And my wife is really upset. She's tough as all hell. But the baby in her arms, uh, you know, she'll throw down, my wife. But baby in her arms, that, like, puts you at a disadvantage when you've got a, a, an infant in your arms. I get a call from the States. Wife's on the phone. We don't call. And she tells me what happened. I am beside myself. I want to murder these guys. I And I'm so far away, and there's nothing I can do. Two things happened. One, as it turns out, Krampus, their, their management was a really a, like sort of a mafia type. They weren't mafia. It was not Italian. But mob type management who were renowned for having... People beaten up and having things done. This was not... They were not pretending. But we knew somebody from their label who actually knew the person who they hired to do these things. And they spoke with them. And if you know anything about guys who do hits and stuff like that, uh, doing it, beating up women is another level. It's like you got to go... You, you, it's a whole other level of cost. It's a whole other type of person. The average... Hitman or a guy who, uh, you know, who uh, takes care of people, collection guy. They won't touch women. It's just like, it's, it's just, it's just not done. Not by real men. By pieces of shit. There are people out there who will do it. You can pay them more. But they get a premium for it. Because it's really dirty work. So, they say, look, tell your wife, these wife, not to worry there's no way this we're not we're not touching her. So then Suzette's family is in the mob. Her uncle and godfather, Hugh Apples Macintosh, yes, Irish last name, half Irish, half Italian, uh, was the enforcer for the Persico Crime family. Look him up. Just Google that name. Hugh Apples, Huey Apples or Hugh Macintosh. You'll see. Real deal, good fellas. No bullshit. This is this is the guy, Garrity people, this is the guy, all those stories that you've heard, this is, the kind, this is the guy that this happens to. Well, they get wind that, I think the, the money that they ripped uh, Suzette off for was like $2,500, but this is the 80s. This is, we're starving, you know, this is, this is the 80s. $2,500 is a lot of money. They are putting the call in to have Krapus taken care of. Real mob style. Suzette calls them off. And they show the type of person she is. The class she has. And she says, Uncle Mac, you don't kill people for $2,500. To which Uncle Mac responded, I do. (laughs) True story. True story. But so she calls them off. and, And and she's look, we'll let it go. Whatever. Now, I can't let it go. I come back home. And I'm just waiting for my opportunity to confront Krapus to see these guys. Well, it comes. Twisted Sister can't get one tour, not a tour, nothing, nothing. We've got no record company tour support, even though our album is now broken out in the UK. We've got no U.S. tour support. We've got no opportunities to play. One comes through. It's on a bill with Krappus. I don't care if it's our only hope. I say no, I'm not doing it. The band turns to me and said, D, if we don't do this, it's, it's, the, it's what happened last winter all over again. We've got no work. We're over. We're done. So in one of the most heartbreaking things for me to do, I agree. But I think, okay, I'll, I'll play with Krapis. Now I'm going to get my revenge. Now I'm going to kick the shit out of these motherfuckers who threatened my wife with my son in her hand, who ripped my wife off. off. And our manager goes, one caveat. I said, what? He goes, they know the agency and the record label know of the conflict. Of course, Krapis has a whole different story. And if you do anything in retribution, Twisted Sister will be blackballed by the agency and you'll never work again. They'll put the word out there that you physically attack people that you're violent against other people uh, and you won't work. So I have to go out on the road with Krapis and not confront them. Well, I one thing I won't do is acknowledge them, look at them, talk to them. And my wife is so disappointed in me. She feels, like she doesn't see that it doesn't matter the economics. She's old school. She's, you know, mob. She's she, she's she's you know a mob princess. She doesn't see that, you know. There's another way. We'll we'll go work a day job. Do not. This is loyalty. You're 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 turning your back on me. I felt horrible. Um, we get down there on the road, and crap is his tour manager, the six foot seven bodyguard. He is trying to push my buttons. At the end of every show, he's waiting for me when I get off stage with a towel for me to towel off. Here, D, towel off. He's waiting for me. He wants me to jump so that they can report back, D Snyder attacked the band, and that's it, and now we're fucked. So, needless to say, I didn't lose it. Needless to say, we got past it. Needless to say, I never communicated with these guys. and Needless to say, I never felt vindicated. They never apologized. They never tried to make right, make it right. So years later, when I started doing my House of Hair radio show, which features all 70s, 80s, early 90s hair bands and heavy metal, in my contract it says, Crappist will not be played. They will not be played. The one band. And they're fairly popular. They had a gold album. They should be played. They will not be played. And any time a bill comes up, where they're on it, where they're, they're, I have them kicked off. They will cannot be on a festival with me or Twisted Sister. When my book comes out, where I tell this Crappis story, this is the most attention Krapis has gotten since the 80s. They make it the front page of their website. They're so excited anybody has paid any attention, even calling him Krapis, that they got a picture of me. D. Snyder writes about crap is in his book and blah 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 blah. And then they say, you know what? We didn't. This has you know been a long time. We wanna you know we wanna make this right. We didn't know that there was hard feelings. They didn't know. Uh they didn't know. And D's still hard, hard And we're ready to. This is this is in an interview. They say this. We're ready to apologize to D's wife. And I go, well, okay, that's interesting. He says besides. The outfits were shit. And we burned them. This is how you apologize to my wife? You insult her work? And by the way, there's pictures of them in rock magazines wearing the outfits. So they didn't not like the outfits and that's why they didn't pay for them. No, they they liked them. They wore them. They didn't burn them. They wore them. But... To save some kind of face. You know, as a saying, we're ready to apologize to D and his wife. They throw in, and by the way, the outfits were shit. And we burn them. Well, that's not an apology to me. And that means, it's on. This past weekend, unbeknownst to me, I'm headlining Rock Duns Classic. Um, it's a classic orchestra with a rock band, and they have a number of different singers from, from uh, bands performing. They do for the past five years, and, and uh, it's amazing, amazing thing. You should check uh, online. I don't know who's on the bill. The day before I get, I'm get, i ready to head there, I find out that the singer of Krapis is on the bill. No, no. No, 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 no. No, no. Tell my people, call them up, kick them off the bill, or I'm not playing. I don't care. I won't play. They don't have to kick him off. I won't play. I'll go home. I had no problem not playing. The most dangerous person in the room is the person who has nothing to lose. I don't have to play. I don't have to do a show. I do it because I want to, and if I don't want to, I won't do it. I don't play very often because I don't want to play often. Well, needless to say, lead singer of Krapis was kicked off the bill, and nobody cared so when you say to me d let it go i'm all about forgiving and forgetting i'm all about letting go you know you come to some kind of resolution some kind of understanding some kind of juncture agree to disagree but if you want to continue to take pot shots at my wife at my wife not even at me at her work at her credibility and when you do it to my wife, you do it to me, it's on. The old D is alive and well. So I always say to people, you know, I'm a happy guy, I'm a content guy, I'm a, you know, a, a jovial guy. People say, D's so nice, D's so nice. Don't ever confuse kindness with weakness. Because that guy is still here. <laughs> Don't mean to scare you! Don't mean to scare you! Well, that's War Stories Part 3 for this week's Snyder Comments. I'll see you again next time. Remember, email snydercomments at gmail.com. Tweet me, at Snyder Comments. Have a great week, everybody. See you next time.